Hello and welcome to Word for the Day. This is Father Pete Matthews from St. Patrick's Anglican Church in Lexington, Kentucky. And on this Monday, we're going to begin a series entitled Lenten Miscellany. Actually, tomorrow's episode will say I'm beginning a series, but that's because I recorded that episode earlier than this one. And I thought I'd start the week with that one. That'll be Tuesday and or, or that'll be, yeah, that'll be Tuesday. And we're going to move the order of the episodes around from what I have them so far. That may make no sense to you, but just know that you'll hear that I'm beginning the week on two episodes and that's because of what I just explained. Okay, so what I want to do today is we're gonna, our, our series is called Lenten Miscellany. And I wanna start with um, one of the feasts of Lent that happens always every year in the middle of Lent. It's the feast day of St. Patrick. And it was last Friday. And um, of course, it's not just a feast day, it's a great holiday. Um, I was out, for dinner with a bunch of clergy um, at a clergy retreat for our diocese. And one of the clergy persons had green beer because it was St. Patrick's Day. And so there's all kinds of fun things we do. But what I want to do is just think about St. Patrick. And one of the reasons I want to do that is he's he's our patron saint as a church. Um, he's the namesake for our church. And when we planted St. Patrick's in 2003, um, that name was chosen very intentionally. So let me tell his quick story and then and then why that why our name was chosen in light of his story. And hopefully you'll find this encouraging and edifying. So Patrick was a Briton, B-R-I-T-O-N. Um, he was a, an indigenous person from uh, what's now England and Wales, but which was a Roman province called Britain, B-R-I-T-O-N, not B-R-I-T-A-I-N. It's an ancient designation probably lived in what's now Wales, probably was an ancestor of the modern Welsh. Because when the Anglo-Saxons came in, they drove the Roman, the, the indigenous Britons into what's now Wales. So that's probably his, his descendants are Welsh. So if you're part Welsh, hey, you may be related to Patrick. I'm part Welsh, so maybe I am. Anyway, um, he was from a wealthy family. Um, and they lived a Roman lifestyle and lived on a villa. His father was a deacon in the church, and his grandfather was a priest in the church, and he was baptized and raised in the church. But as a teenager, he became a party animal and um, just kind of lived a dissolute, profligate lifestyle. And one day or night, he was at the villa, and um, raiders from Ireland showed up on the shore. So his villa must have been right next to the shore. And he was kidnapped. And he was taken across the Irish Sea to Ireland and enslaved by an Irish king. Think tribal chieftain. Um, that probably is the best comparison. Don't think Queen Elizabeth or, you know, King Charles. And so an Irish king owned him and he was made a shepherd and he would go out and care for sheep and um, he was, he said he was naked when he was out there. They didn't give him clothing or anything. He froze. But during that time, he began to seek God and he prayed. He said he would just pray all day long and, and renewed his life in God, renewed his baptism and, um, began to have real profound encounters with God. And in one of those, he had a dream and a vision to go to the shore and there'd be a boat waiting for him. And so he did that and there was a boat and they took him back to England. So from this point, his story becomes muddy. There's there's kind of different sources, but somehow he ended up getting reintegrated in the church, 
he was recatechized and then um, trained and made a priest and then made a bishop. And in that space, once he went back, he thought he was done with Ireland. But he had a vision and heard voices. He heard like thousands of Irish people speaking in the ancient Irish language, calling out to him saying, come back, holy boy, come back, holy boy. And he took that as a call from God to take the gospel to Ireland. So he did that, spent the rest of his life in Ireland as a bishop and uh, had a team that went with him and planted churches um, all over the place. And, um, and so there, there are even places now we know that where churches are planted by Patrick and his, his mission. So um, great saint of the church, patron saint of Ireland, and um, a great example of a missionary. Now, we named our church St. Patrick's Church, and here's why. Um, when we were planting, we were, you know, becoming an Anglican church. And we thought, what would be a great name that would be rooted in our English history, our English church story, but also um, communicate that we're trying to be on mission in a context that's not Christianized. We live in what I call a post-Christian time or an increasingly post-Christian time. Patrick went to a pre-Christian place. So there's similarities, there's differences between those things, obviously, and he was in the 5th century and we're in the 21st century. He was in Ireland, we're in America. But what happened under uh, under Patrick's leadership is he was faithful to the historic order, the historic deposit of faith, the life, the discipline, the worship, the liturgy of the ancient Catholic Church, the historic Catholic, historic small c Catholic Church, pre-Roman Catholic, pre-division but he did it in a way that was adapted to Irish culture so he could build bridges into the culture. So our one of our visions, one of our dreams for our church, and I, you know whether we've done that super well or not, I guess time will tell. It's been 20 years in. I think we've tried to, but we've tried to be a space that says, hey, we're rooted in this ancient tradition, but we're trying to, to practice it in a way that someone who lives in the middle of Kentucky in the 21st century could connect to it and meet Christ. And it's foreign enough in the sense that it's rooted and faithful to the tradition, but fresh enough that it connects to people's lives. That's what Patrick did in Ireland. And that was kind of our dream for our church. And so that's why the name is there. Um, It's not really because we're really into into kinds of cool Celtic things. We don't have Celtic crosses everywhere. it's not because, you know, I love drinking Guinness beer. I, I, I like Guinness beer, but it's not my favorite. It's not It's not really about that kind of stuff. And it's not about sort of, you know, this aesthetic love of ancient Ireland. It's about mission. It's about this this interesting interplay of, of the ancient church and contemporary mission and how we intersect the two things and live them out as faithful disciples of Jesus. Well, I could say more on this, but this is starting to get long. So um, I know we're past St. Patrick's Day, but if you think about St. Patrick, um, I encourage you to just think about his story and think about our ministry. One book, if you're interested in reading a book, lots of great histories on Patrick, but a book that shaped me deeply um, is called The Celtic Way of Evangelism. It's written by uh, George Hunter III, who was at the time a professor at Asbury Seminary, one of my professors, and I had him for class. 
got introduced to the book and when I read it, just captured my heart as we were um, dreaming about and praying about planting St. Patrick's. And so that's why we went ahead and went with the name St. Patrick's. Okay, now I'm really done. So God bless and have a great day.